Hi everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Nordic Football Podcast. Coming up on this edition, uh, we've got all the latest news in uh, Norway and Sweden, especially uh, each respective relegation fight and we also talk about the top of the table battles. Um, we've got a really big match uh, analysis, uh, Molder against Odd from the Elite Serien, uh, match in focus uh, this week, uh, so which is a really interesting feature. And then we've got, uh, as usual, uh, some great talent profiles uh, of a couple of players in uh, Norway and Sweden, respectively. So for that and much, much more, stay tuned to episode 11. everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan Fadupa. And it's great to have you back again, uh, John. I've uh, heard you've been watching quite a bit of tennis recently over in the US Open. Hi, Stephen. Hi, everyone. Yeah, uh, we've had a bit of an absence of the pod in the international breaks. I've, um, I've diverged myself to tennis recently and really enjoyed watching that. Not much Swedish uh, competition there, but yeah, it was. Um, I've been on a bit of tennis lately. So how have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. Uh, I watched a bit of the tennis as well. Um, not really a great fan of Rafael Nadal, I must say. Uh, so I was a bit sorry to see him win the event. Um, more, more of a Roger Federer man uh, in my day, uh, John. Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Nadal man, mate. So, uh, yeah, we, we're going to have to disagree on that one. And I was pretty happy you won. But um, let's go back to football. What's uh, what's the latest? Have you, have you How's your football senses these days since well, Pod 10? Yeah, I mean, as you know, I've been uh, spent, spending the whole summer catching up on uh, all sorts of things due to a house move and injury and, and, and things. And I'm nearly back on track now. Um, the international break probably was a good thing for me. Um, so, I mean, you could say, um, you know, using a, a phrase of Donald Trump, I'm kind of locked and loaded now, mate. Um, and uh, certainly ready for this autumn period um, of uh, hectic uh, schedule. Right, let's get into it then. Let's absolutely get into it. We're going to start with the in my short section, as always. 20 seconds each to make uh, five for different points about our respective leagues. I think it's probably your turn to go first this time, John, isn't it? Yeah, well, after pod 10, when I when I, I flopped on that one, so I've got, I've, got, I've got to make up for it here. Let's start the clocks, shall we? Yeah, we'll start you going. Um, uh, ready when you are. Okay, count me down. Three, two, one, go. And the obvious first place to start on this podcast is Malmo. They were defeated again. Axel Kjall in his first game in charge of Odebro, having replaced Alexander Axen, won in the 92nd minute. Vindheim scored a great goal. Norian Gerzic came back with a corner. And Nahir Bazara came with a 92nd minute winner, which blows the title race open. Yeah, well, in the uh, title race in uh, Norway, Rosenborg uh, lead was cut to three points um, by Sarpsborg's victory. But two hours later, uh, the team from Trondheim back at the top of the table, thanks to uh, Nicholas Bentner goal. And also Samuel Adbring Benro came off the bench to uh, make it 2-0 against Strums Goodser. So they're still six clear at the top. Yes, and it's the Urgarden who are challenging the uh, Malmo, the Champions Malmo at the moment. They're up to second now after ending EF Core's long, long unbeaten run at home. It's been years since EF Core lost at home, but their fortress is in breach now in a 3-1 win. Uh, M. Rabati was in sensational form. The gap's now seven points. Can Urgarden maybe push for the title?
Yeah, I just want to make a bit of a point about Bran, who have come back into form. Three wins in a row now. Uh, puts them uh, into third place. Uh, only really moulded to worry about uh, in terms of uh, challenging for a medal. So it looks like Bran are going to get the season back on track. Uh, they beat Songnal 2-1, um, say three wins in a row, looking good again. Yeah, now we're moving to uh, Stockholm. Some 29,306 fans packed into the Tele2 Arena for the big derby between Hammerby and AIK in Stockholm. Pardibo opened the scoring for Hammerby after some woeful defending, but a Christopher Olsen beauty of a free kick made it one all. AIK had chances to win it, and they might regret it. Yeah, in the uh, big uh, battle between two English coaches, uh, Sandefjord beat Viking. Uh, Sean Constable, the assistant coach of Sandefjord, uh, beating his good friend uh, Ian Burknell uh, for Viking. Uh, Sandefjord in sixth place, going really well at the moment. It's looking bleak for Viking, though. They're eight points adrift uh, of uh, the nearest fully safe place now. So, uh, tough times. Oh, well out of time there. Oh, no. You've <laughs> been rumbled. And yes, um, this, 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 the, well, the fourth point to make is it was Michael Jolly against Graham Potter in the um, sort of English derby, Ostersons against AFC Eskostuna, but it was a comfortable win for Graham Potter, 3-0. Simon Goddess was on the score sheet. Ostersons are in the Europa League coming up now, but AFC are in big trouble now, rock bottom, and there's running out of games. Probably the real big sensational result was Christiansen beating Tromsø 4-1 in what was a relegation six-pointer. They're now four points clear of Trumpster uh, in that battle. Uh, still third bottom, so they'll be in the relegation playoff, but a really great first half from Christiansen. They absolutely smashed them to pieces. Morale-boosting win, much-needed win, and... Uh, oh, what's going on? You really... You're having a bit of a mare in this one. <sighs> yeah, and final point, I am going to talk about the relegation battle. The rise of Gif Sundsvall, who we talked about on pod 10 in detail, team in focus. They've put together back-to-back -back wins now since that pod. An excellent win over Urubro with 10 men, followed by a 1-0 win over Sirius, with Eric Larson scoring the winner. They're now 10 points clear of AFC, 9 clear of Ham Hamstead. Yeah, I'm just going to talk about the top goal scorer um, award. And Oi Omoi Wanfro has gone four, four clear now of his nearest rival after scoring at the weekend. Um, and the second place in the table is uh, Moss from Arsenal. He's up to 11 goals, but Uri up to 15 goals now. And uh, yeah, they, uh, they keep coming for him. I wasn't going over for that one. <laughs> you cut yourself out. You cut yourself short there, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. And that's it. That is it for Eat My Shorts for this week. Uh, a few points there uh, mentioned. And um, What's happened to you there, Steve? In terms of the actual timing? Yeah, too. You've been busted twice. I don't know. I guess I just had too much to talk about. And, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go into detail on those two points, you see, uh, in a minute. So um, that might be where it came from. It's unlike me, my timing is usually impeccable. Not today, my friend. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's elaborate on those points then. I mean, the two that you've overrun on, you've clearly, clearly got some things to say, I guess. Um, why don't we pick up on that right now? Yeah, well, I'm going to start with, with Sandefjord against Viking. And... Um, Forgetting the uh, clash between the two English coaches on each on, on, on opposing teams, I watched this and it ended three one. Um, Viking took an early lead. Sandefjord, Sandefjord Viking. Yeah, I think you've got a bit of a disclaimer to make here in this one, haven't you? Oh yeah, well in the previous <laughs> pod, yeah yeah well in the previous podcast, I had uh, done a preview for for this game, 
and it was the next league match um but i had uh, unfortunately got the wrong time for it it was uh, this weekend not the weekend before the international break um because they had a, a cup round scheduled for there which completely uh, forgot my attention so uh, yes i was a bit off uh, schedule with that one on the previous pod but uh, the match has now taken place and <laughs> you talk about impeccable timing that's that i make that 3 weeks 3 weeks out of, out of sync there um <laughs> but yeah, uh, nobody actually commented on it, so hopefully, hopefully we we got out of the way with that one until now. Yeah, I guess I was just kind of too excited about the fixture. Uh, maybe I don't know, but uh, yeah, Viking took the league thanks to one of their new signings, Gislaine uh, Goresson. And at that point, I was thinking, hey, up there, they're on it here. It was a, a reasonably good first twenty minutes from Viking, but from that point onward, Sam Sandefjord just took took over completely uh, dominated the match. Carlos Gross-Muller got two goals and I know there was some criticism about them signing him, weren't they, in the summer from certain parties uh, that, you know, too old, overrated, no need for him. But, you know, a, a brilliant technical quality uh, in this league and it's a class above a lot of other players. So, yeah, really good from Sanderfield. They're, they're going from strength to strength. They've recruited well. Um, they've got a good system and tactics in place. They're sixth place. And, you know, if they weren't so far outside the medal spots, you could say, oh, they're a dark horse for a top three uh, position. They still might be. You never know if they get on a good run, but they certainly look uh, well clear from a relegation now. We talked about um, their... We had, we had an interview, didn't we, on, on a recent pod uh, with the, their assistant manager. Mm. Um, so I guess I've got a question for you just quickly there. What's what's kind of changed since then? I mean, you know, what's what's been... you know At, at that time, I think they were fighting for, to avoid relegation. Am I right? Yeah, well, when we when we had Sean Constable on, um, they um, were going reasonably well, although in a little bit of a uh, um, a little bit of a rut, I suppose you could say. Um, and they got beaten by Rosenborg five one not long afterwards. But what's happened is they've just simply scored goals. They've they've hit the back of the net three times in their last five games. Um, and you know, I think they would have won five in a row if they had actually scored a penalty against Odd when it was nil nil. They went on to lose that game one uh, nil. So they could easily be five games in a row won. Um, they're just playing with confidence. They've recruited well in the summer. Like I said, I gave them a grade A, didn't I, in the um, in the transfer podcast. So impressive stuff from Sandefjord. As for Viking, we know they had to make a lot of changes in the summer. Loads of guys have come in. Loads of guys have left the club. The minute they just look like they're, uh, there's a lack of chemistry maybe between the players. They're still getting to know each other. But they need to sort that out quickly, otherwise, you know, they will be getting relegated. Um, I like the signings that they brought in, but they need to start gelling quickly now um, to get the desired results. I would say we looked a little bit disjointed in that way, but they were playing a good team at the minute. Sanderfield are a good team and an underrated team. But nine games to go, they look in real trouble now. Viking, I mean, they they're what seven points away from safety. Yeah, are they going down? Um, as I say, if these signings can suddenly get back on track quickly, they've still got a chance because two or three wins and you're up there. Um, what helps them is that Tromsø, Christiansund and Songdal, neither of those teams are particularly great, in my opinion, right now. And you could even say that Valerenga and Arsund are a bit scratching around. So if they could just string together like three wins in a row, um, then they've got a chance, you know. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it's starting to look a little bit bleak now for them. No win in four games. Um, so yeah, I'm getting a bit worried. Um, but and uh, you know, the match that I'm going to talk about in a minute, Christensen Trumser, the result there, I'm not sure that particularly helped them either at the weekend. Well, let's, let's talk about that game then. I mean, yeah, it was a 4 1 win. I'm seeing, uh, you know, Mikhail Inga was on the score sheet, who we had a talent focus on in I think pod two. 
which you can still listen to, obviously, and you know, download on iTunes and that kind of thing. Um, Christian and uh, yeah, they pulled out a real result there, haven't they? Yeah, they pulled a rabbit out of the hat. Um, I've um, I've always I've always had this theory for those who read my stuff online that when two poor teams play each other or two teams in relegation trouble play each other. It often leads to an open game full of goals in whatever league around the world, even French football. Um, and it's simply because I just think both fancy their chances of winning because they look at who they're playing and like, yeah, we can win this game. But Christensen just came out of the block so quickly. Um, yeah, they, they were 3 nil up at half-time and it could have been 5 or 6. They just played so well with great intensity. Trumser just weren't ready for what hit them. Um, I mean, I'm, they were bad, but... I've got to give Christensen a lot, a lot of credit here. They came out so well and they uh, dominated the game 4-0 up after 50 minutes. And, uh, you know, they could have had a few more. Massive win for them because I feel that they do need to get a few points on the board. I've just got, I do think they're going to go down. For me, they, they will finish in the bottom two. One of Trumpser or Viking, I think, will overtake them. It, ultimately, the extra quality, the pressure will pay. But that was a huge win for Christensen. If they lost that one, I think you could say they're definitely going to be in the bottom two. This this result gives them a fighting chance again. They can repeat that it again. A, it was their first win since June, which was another four-one win away at Starbuck. Um, so yeah, I mean they've, they've given themselves a bit of a chance there. What you know, it looks like they 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 they've given themselves a fighting chance. Like I say, yeah, they certainly have. Um, I don't really rate them that much in terms of quality, uh, but they that was a massive win. Tromsø, what you got to remember with Tromsø, they're going to have half their games that. Uh, left are going to be at home right in the north of Norway and they if they need to get a win in those fixtures against anyone even a good team I, I would absolutely back drums to, to get it uh, right so yeah anyway it's moving on to staying with relegation and Sweden at the moment it's it's getting again pretty tense down there there was a massive win for Gif Sundsvall wasn't it the weekend John yeah well, it's ironic really I mean as soon as we start talking about them uh, you know as a team of focus and uh, that on that podcast of Pod Ten, I kind of predicted that they would probably go down if things continued as they were. Uh, I don't know if maybe the manager Joel Seedigan has been listening to that podcast because he's, um, yeah, they've pulled off back-to-back wins since. Maybe maybe it's woken them up a bit. They've really turned it around at the moment, and they've been very impressive. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously they'd lost to Kalmar uh, in a real big relegation battle that you know that week before the Pod Ten mm. when, we, when we featured them. But they, they, their next game was against Audible and they really pulled out a fantastic win there. Um, you know, they came back, they had 10 men and they're 1-0 down. And yet they managed to come back and win 2-1. Uh, Linus Hellenius and Peter Wilson came back with late goals in the 79th and 83rd minute. Uh, even, you know, despite the fact they played the last half hour with 10 men and a goal down. So, yeah, that was a real show of character. Massive, massive show of character. And then this weekend just gone now, they've pulled off a 1-0 win away at Sirius. So, yeah, Sunsfile have really, really given themselves a lifeline here. Yeah, and before we talk about the bottom three teams, um, uh, Kalmar, their form has really improved, hasn't it, since they changed their manager. They're up to 12 now and actually five points clear of uh, relegation. Um, I mean, it's really been impressive how they've turned it around, isn't it? Yeah, well, Kalmar, I think uh, we actually had a question from... uh, a loyal listener uh, about them and asking us, you know, what's what's been the factors in their turn and, turn and form. I think I'm going to actually park that one till another week because I'd like to actually focus on Kalmar in a bit more detail um, because, yeah, it's been another big story and I think that'll be interesting to cover um, perhaps in a slightly bit more detail. But I think, you know, they, they kind of, they had their run a bit, a bit earlier. They, the win against GIF, uh, so, you know, two, was it three, four weeks ago now, that really pulled them out of the, out of the trouble. Um, and that that's actually put that put Gifts and fell into trouble. 
and you're in shopping as well now. You're in shopping now in the relegation zone. Um, it's looking really, really unlikely uh, that Hampstead and AFC are going to get out of it as things stand now. I mean, there's eight games left, um, and now there's a seven-point gap to the relegation you know, uh, playoff and a 10-point gap to Giff, who were outside the danger, danger zone. It was a really sort of crushing defeat for uh, AFC, I think, although not many would have expected them to beat Ostersons away, you know, given the kind of football they play. Um, but Halmstad as well, they, they were crushed by Hacken, and they're looking kind of hopeless as well, to be honest. And I might have to revise my transfer grade for them because they're not really, you know, the, the signings haven't really worked. And I think they look like, you know, they're quite sure to go down now the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, the bottom three certainly look in the shit. Um, AFC, Eskilstuna, to be fair, of the three, uh, are in better form, aren't they? Um, I, I think you can let them off losing to Ostersunds, can't you? Um, but as for Hamstag and Yonchapings, they don't know where their next point's coming from uh, right now. I noticed there's a big game coming up at the weekend, AFC against Sundsvall. Uh, you know, huge uh, fixture there. Um Whilst the, uh, the you know the other two teams are away at tough tough locations, so if, if AFC can still win that, maybe they'll fancy their chances. They can still sort of sneak into that relegation playoff position, which looks like the most realistic prospect for either of those teams escaping relegation now. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, it's a it's do or die that game. They ha- AFC have to beat Sunsvall at home. If they can't beat Sunsvall at home, then I mean, if they lose, it's a disaster because they'll be fifth, what thirteen points behind. Um, so that you'd, you'd pretty much say they're down if they can't win, if they don't win that game. So yeah, it's a huge one. It's going to be a really big game. Really exciting match to watch, I think, if you've got a chance to watch it, you know, try and do so. Um, we had Michael Jolly on the podcast, last podcast 10, which you can still listen to. Uh, fascinating discussion. And yeah, I think that's, a, you know, that's the game he'll really be targeting to win because of, they have to win that game, really. So it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think the AFC, I, th- I still think they've got a sniff. And to be honest with you, even if they do go, do do go down, they they seem in a better place than the other teams to, to rebound the next season. There, if they were to go down, just one other point I wanted to take from the eat my short section there is um, is in that title race, and uh, Malmo have lost again. Uh, Jorgarten took advantage with well a shock victory, perhaps. You said uh, EFK Jotterborg, um first home defeat in two years, John. Uh, yeah, actually, I need to get my stats on that correct because um, I've read contrasting things. Uh, but yeah, it's 28 matches. Um, I think they lost to Malmo in one game, but if you take that away, then it's then it's two years. Uh, I'll have to get that confirmed for that because that, obviously that game it's was a hell of a record, isn't it? Run. But yeah, either way, you know, so it's a massive run they've been on. Um, the Fortress at EF Core, despite the fact they haven't had a great season, had a fairly indifferent season, but they still haven't lost at home until tonight. But uh, yeah. Tonight, the, the run ended, um, like I say, 28 games. Uh, it's now history. And it was a, I, to be honest, I didn't get to see the game because you wrote me in to watch a Norwegian game, which we're going to cover shortly. We are doing a match analysis this evening. Um, so I haven't seen the game, I have to be honest, but I've seen the goals. Kerim Imrabati scored a wonderful goal, second goal. Uh, first one was a mistake from um, EF Core defender, Salem Munson, I believe, who's had a hook. Had a pretty poor season, all things be told, uh, allowing him Mabati to score. So he got two. And yeah, Jesper Karlstrom as well came up with a goal, which was a pretty nice finish as well to make it 3 1. Um, Mikael Bowman had equalised at the time at half time. But um, yes, yeah, it's a bit of a loss for EF Corp. But you're going to really put themselves back into that race now. I mean, Hacken were second going into the game. So those three, Hacken, Jorgarden, and Malmo were the three kind of up there. Uh, AOK dropped points, obviously. and your garden are looking like maybe they're the ones who can challenge. I mean, if, if, if Malmo keep losing the way they're doing, you know, they've, they've taken their eye off the ball. It's as simple as that. 
Yeah, I was just going to ask the question. For those who, uh, who've got Malmo on their betting slips at the start of the season to win the league, uh, to be fair, you'd, you'd have had to stake quite a lot of money, wouldn't you, to get good odds because the uh, the price on them would have been very short. But uh, are they safe? I mean, the lead was monstrous, wasn't it, a few weeks ago? Uh, now it's down to seven points and it's still a good lead, but surely they can't cop with up, can they? Good question. I think they, I think complacency set in. Obviously, they sold Pavel Sabicki to Leeds, uh, your team there, Steve. So um, he's he's gone off now, which is, you know, he's one of their talents. And they've had quite a sort of player turnover, I think, which hasn't really helped. I think, you know, players are still integrating, some have left, um, which I don't think has necessarily helped them. But I, I think it's sheer complacency, to be honest. They're, they're the best team in Sweden, uh, as Michael Jolly said on, on podcast number 10. Um, they are the best team in the league, but they lost to AFC, who were bottom, who are bottom of the table. They've now mm. lost another one, so yeah, they're you know, if they keep to, you know if they lose another one, it's four points. Then you're really looking at a title race, to be honest. Um, I don't think many Dual Garden fans maybe would say they'll win the league, but they're targeting a European place at least, and and they look on course to get it. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be intriguing how it actually goes. Uh, in I mean, I would still imagine Malmo will do it, but it certainly made things a little bit more interesting. Um, at the minute, seven points clear. Rosenborg six clear in Norway, so it's looking like the, the two favourites will get home. But you never know, do you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar to Rosenborg, isn't it? They 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 sort of won, and they they look like they they should win the league. But um, there's been a couple of player departures in in Norway that, that maybe might affect things. Uh, is that am I fair to say that? Yeah, I've, I feel I've got to talk about this because um, these were done after out obviously outside of the main Norwegian window. Uh, we'll start with Gia Sahid, who I've talked about before on this podcast a few times. Uh, he's left Valerenga to Apoel Nicosia uh, in the uh, Cypriot League, and he gets to face the likes of Real Madrid Spurs. Um, uh, so really uh, a good move for him, I would say, but a really big loss for Valerenga because obviously they can't replace him. And he was the, the best player in the team by a long, long way. Uh, great technical um, player um, who created a lot of their goals, scored quite a lot of their goals as well. Um, and really, now Valerenga, they're only um, just a, a few points ahead of the relegation playoff position, um, which would be, I mean, it would be quite sensational if they were to get dragged into that. They've moved to a new stadium. One positive for Valerenga is that they are uh, in the uh, semi-final of the cup now, at least. Uh, but uh, yeah, in terms of the league, uh, losing Gia Sahid is a massive blow for them. Um, although it was kind of expected that he, he was going to leave. Is this the lad that you said on the last pod looks like a, a bit like a cr- cricket, cricket cricketer? Yes, um, a bit like uh, Virat Kohli, the Indian cricketer. Yeah, I mean, for those who haven't heard that pod, I mean, we did a great in-depth analysis of Wallerenger. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a shame to hear that Zahid's left already. You did say, actually, that he was going to be off and, uh, yeah, lo and behold, he's gone. I mean, how will that affect them? And just very briefly, I, I mean... What was the fee for from Apoel? What you know? What was the kind of um, details behind the deal? Do you have any more information on that? I don't actually know how much it was um, at all. I couldn't. I, I couldn't quite find out decisively. Um, but um, irrelevant to whatever fee it was, basically, you've just kind of sacrificed the rest of your season by getting rid of your best player by a long way and not having a replacement at all, um, and not having the chance to get a replacement either. So, obviously, they would have thought about this long and hard. Maybe they thought, OK, we're going to sack off this season in the league. We're going to, as long as we avoid relegation, doesn't matter where the hell we finish, focus on this cup semi-final 
and and see where we go and it, it doesn't matter selling him but i don't like that particular um mentality john i, I just feel i mean long term valerenga want to challenge for the top top three in the title again and to do that they need to i think they need to end this season with momentum i said that on the pod where we talked about them in detail they need to finish with momentum that is not going to happen now uh, especially if they have a run in the cup final that's all that's going to be on their minds isn't it i could see them probably only just about escaping relegation now so whether i mean if they won the cup it's different then they would have momentum for next season wouldn't they but if say they don't win that cup then um you know it could be a, a miserable winter you know in terms of uh, hopes and aspirations well, according to the transfer market, it was a free transfer for Zahid, which I find hard to believe. I'm not sure if that's true at all. That sounds a bit far-fetched. But maybe maybe it was. But, uh, yeah, he's also, I read, I read the first uh, footballer of Pakistani descent to play, play in the Champions League, I think. I don't know if that's that's accurate as well. But um, there you go. A big signing. Yeah, well done to him. He's, he's, he's been very patient for his move. Um, and although it's a, quite a, a bizarre destination, um, yeah, they are in the Champions League. And he's going to get to face some really big clubs. They're probably going to win the league again in Cyprus, aren't they? So, uh, you know, he'll he'll get to play European football quite a lot and, and showcase himself in some big games. And who knows, if he catches the eye, he can go somewhere bigger. So good luck to him. Uh, I must say, uh, someone There's I like. Worse places to be than the, uh, the Burnabout, isn't there? So, yeah, like you say, good, good luck to him. I mean, I read that there's another player that you wanted to discuss, which is, there's been a bit of a strange situation with a player called Edwin Giassi. Yeah, um, Arsund uh, player, and this again, this was briefly talked about in the transfer pod, I think, or one of them, um, that he was linked to Aston Villa and a few other clubs, and it was widely expected he would leave uh, Norway um, before the end of August, but for some reason it just hasn't happened. A deal didn't come through for him, and he uh, obviously is not very happy about this. Um, you know, he's a bit pissed off that uh, he's, he's staying in Norway. And, and he's stuck there until the winter. Um, so basically, he's, be, he's become very disruptive at the club, uh, refused to go to training, a few other things. I guess the closest comparison I can think about is in American sports, where players hold out, you know, uh, either for a better deal or, or things like that, or they are almost on strike to, to a certain degree. And, you know, he's causing disruption at the club, and uh, basically they've done the right thing and just left him out of the matchday squads and things like that. Uh, he may never play another game for them again. Bit of a bizarre situation there. He's a, he's a big player for for, for Arsenal when he's in form, you know, John. He's uh, he's a great right winger when he's in the mood. Uh, in in the weeks before the transfer window opened, he was in great form, which is no surprise because he was obviously trying to catch the eye. So uh, um, I think yeah, I, I read here that I read um, reports about that actually. Yeah, like you said, we did discuss it. Reading and Aston Villa were were linked to him. Um, yeah. Just for those who don't don't maybe know too much about him, listeners, what, what kind of player is he? And do you think Villa and Reading will kind of um, be be a bit sad not to have got him in the window? Um, maybe not that sad. I mean, he's nothing absolutely special, but he's got a good physical as- attributes, pacey. Um, he can glide past players, a bit blinkered at times in terms of a pass. Um, I would say uh, doesn't just maybe have as many assists as he should do. He, he when he's trying to he tries to overplay it too much sometimes, score a goal himself uh, and, and get all the plaudits. I think that's his big weakness. He's a bit of a selfish player. Uh, one positive for him though, he uh, he was, he did appear uh, for Ghana in the uh, qualifiers, made his debut for Ghana, um, and uh, I think he uh, performed fairly well off the bench. So I read. So he's a good player. 
Um, he's going to end up somewhere decent. It's just a shame he's uh, he's in that position. Okay, we're just going to take a bit of a break now. Uh, after the interval, uh, we're going to do a big match analysis. Uh, Mulder against Odd uh, from the Elite Asterian, plus some uh, in-depth player profile analysis um, in, in the talent corner section. Uh, one from Norway, one from Sweden. So I hope you join us after the interval. See you then. Welcome back to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast, episode 11. We're going straight into it now. We're going to do a match analysis, which is something we haven't done for several weeks. In fact, uh, it's another section that we have, uh, semi-regular. And we are, I think the last one we did was AIK Ostersons, which was you know, well over one to, to two months ago, maybe. Uh, we're going to go back to, to Norway now. And we're going to do a match analysis on a game that Steve uh, is going to introduce to us. Yeah, um, it was played on Monday night, Mulder against Odd. Um, quite a high-profile clash in terms of uh, two of the bigger teams in the league. And I managed to rope John into watching it, persuaded him. But at half-time, um, well, I think you were probably wishing that we hadn't chosen this match, John, because um, the first 45 minutes, there wasn't really a lot happening, was there? Yeah, that's that's a bit of an understatement. Understatement. I mean, it was. Um, yeah, I think I tweeted a, a picture of uh, someone in the crowd who uh, he had taken his girlfriend, I believe, or maybe his sister, and he he had his sort of chin in his palm, palm of his hand, and he looked like he was about to fall asleep. To be honest, and that I think summed up the mood of the entire crowd. But it did it did pick up in the end, and there were some interesting you know observations from the match. I mean, let's start with the context of the game. What what was the importance here? Why why are we featuring this match? And you know what what did it mean to both sides? I believe one of them. Uh, you know, it was a must-win game for at least one, right? Yeah, if Mulder want to finish in the top three this season, I think they really had to win this game because I mentioned earlier on Brands forms picking up. Doesn't look like Sarpsborg are going to be dropping out of the top two either. Uh, sorry, three either for the, for, for much longer. Um, so yeah, big game for them. Um, for odd, less so. They look like destined for mid-table this season. But probably the biggest thing about this fixture is the clash of the managers. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer against Fergermo, who's a bit of a well, a divisive character. I think I saw him described on Twitter tonight, and, and he certainly is. He does divide opinion in terms of his approach. But yeah, big sort of manager matchup. Two of the bigger clubs at the start of the season, they would have been sort of in the favourites to be challenging for like third place, um, so or even second. Um, so yeah, in terms of that, it was a big, a big, uh, big, big fixture clash. Um, in terms of the first half itself, um, why do you think it was so devoid of? chances and general action john well before we get into into that let's just um look at the lineups if we could um i'm going to read them out quickly just so anyone who hasn't seen the game maybe will know them very very quickly here so linda foreign sar sisuankumbo remmer ellingson norman strand prout harland sigurdarsson and brustad uh for molder yeah ross back in goal uh rude semberger stefan hagen Grogard, uh, Etsas Hussein, Samuelson, Berg, Risky, Oxian, I think, and Rashani uh, for odd. Uh, those were the two lineups. I mean, Steve, you can tell us a bit about the formations. I mean, in terms of just the discussion here, uh, a quick point. Um, obviously, Norwegian 
football isn't my league, it's, it's Steve's league. So I watch this game as an individual, kind of observing it and analysing it, uh, maybe from a scouting perspective and kind of looking at the game in general to learn about the two teams. Whereas Steve covers the league inside out, knows the form of every, you know, both teams in depth. He knows the systems they play, knows about every single player you know, in detail. So he's going to talk about it from the more sort of wider context while I'll talk about the match from a kind of um, observational point of view. So, you know, I saw the formation of Steve. It looked to me like Mulder in a kind of a 3-4-3, three, 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 uh, maybe a 5-3-2 when they weren't in possession. But it, it seemed to kind of, it, it was a bit jumbled, I thought, um, compared to Odd, who had a bit more of a kind of, um, you know, so, solid kind of uh, setup that they were more kind of sure about themselves. You know, am I... Am I right in saying that? And you know, what what was your interpretation of the kind of the formations and the tactics there? Yeah, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, both of these two teams are um, very have uh, been very uh, predictable in terms of formations recently. Odd have been four three three for as long as I can remember under Fergermo. Um, that that's what they do. And they, they you're right, they they stick to their positions, rigid discipline sort of formation. And they've got players playing in those spots who are, who are naturally in every single one of those positions. No one's out of position. And um, so everyone's very comfortable where they're playing. Mulder, on the other hand, I mean, this has been a, a new sort of formation for them this season. And um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has this habit of playing guys out of their natural comfort zone to fit his formation. And he likes this sort of fluid, extra fluidity uh, and versatility with guys. So, for example, you've got someone like Siwan Cambo who is a right wing-back, really. Uh, but he's been all over the shop this year. Centre-back, centre-midfield, left midfield. I mean, today he was sort of that the right defender in a, in a, in a back uh, three. Um, and there's a couple of other examples as well. Babaka Saar, I mean, yes, you could say he, is, he can be a centre-back, but his best position is definitely a bit higher up the field uh, in defensive midfield. So, yeah, you were right when you say that, um, yeah, there was a bit more wondering going on in terms of the Moulder lineup, But... Uh, you know, that 3-4-3 three, three, uh, really just could not penetrate odd in the first half at all. Um, they didn't have any any intensity, did they? Um, yeah, no. I mean, I, my impression was Mulder kind of sort of had some more of the ball, but they didn't manage a single shot on target in that first half. Um, and, I, you know, odd, although they had their kind of solid formation and they looked to kind of uh, stay, you know, a bit deeper and weren't really committing too many men forward in attack, they actually, I thought, looked more creative. Um, played several diagonal balls kind of over the top. They knew what they were doing, really. Uh, a bit of an artillery, kind of a artillery sort of tank type thing where they just threw balls in over the top from, you know, diagonal balls. Um, maybe looking to exploit kind of the wing-back system of, of, of Mulder, if you can call it that, really, because it did move around a lot. Sometimes there was four in defence, sometimes five. Um, but, yeah, they did seem to find pockets uh, in behind the kind of, uh, right-sided centre-back and the left-sided centre-back uh, of, of Mulder. Um, balls over the top from Risky and Rashani in general, Hussein at times as well, um, which I found interesting. It was an interesting tactical point, I thought. I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, I mean, Mulder, Mulder's defenders were very high in the, f in the first half, I thought. And, you know, Suswankambo, I'm going to struggle with that guy's name, but yeah, uh, as a Swede, I should, I should really be getting it right. But um, yeah, he... He was often well beyond the halfway line, sometimes in a more central position. So I don't know, you know, that touches onto what you said about the versatility of the, the team. I mean, it seems like Solskjaer really does like his players moving around all over the shop, right? Yeah, he does. And um, I'm not, look, I personally, if I was a manager, 
I would not be playing players out of their natural positions unless I was forced into it because of ridiculous injuries or suspensions or whatever. He's not in that situation right now. And, um, you know, Siwan Kamba, to be fair to him, he didn't have a bad game, did he? He tackled well um, and his, his pace got him out of a bit of trouble. But that is not his best position on the field. And, and there's a few other guys uh, as well. And, yeah, I think he's just kind of hoping that the uh, that players settle into their new roles well and they, and they have natural versatility. Look, he sees them in training, obviously, so he knows what these guys are capable of. And it, it might be a bit of unfair criticism, but um, I'm, I'm not a great fan of it, John, to be honest. I'm, all year, I mean, they're one of the hardest actual... The formation isn't hard to predict, but the actual lineup can be because you can end up with a guy at left midfield and he's you know, normally like a defensive midfielder or something. Mm. Um, and I hate that sort of thing. It really annoys me. And it, and I'm like, well, what the hell is he doing there? What's he doing there? Sometimes it, it can work, sometimes it doesn't work. But to me, it's a little bit dis, too dis, disjointed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do agree with you there. And I think um, you know, they looked a bit jumbled at, at times. They didn't really, they looked toothless in the first half, really, despite their kind of maybe superior um, ball possession. Uh, yeah, part of the reason for that, I mean, there was only really maybe two chances of note in the first half. It went in nil-nil. Uh, Sigurd Arsene had a poorly timed run offside when he was in a good position, I thought. Um, Oliver Ossian had a good chance in the 32nd minute on the volley from a left-wing cross, uh, but it was a poor finish, well well wide, well over. Um, and so he went in at nil-nil. Linda had made a few good saves in the, in the Mulder goal, actually. Uh, one from Risky. Um, and odd, even though they were inferior in possession, they, they kind of were more potent going forward. But it all changed just after half time, didn't it, really, Steve? Um, Mulder opened the scoring. Yeah, and I have to say, if this goal hadn't happened, we may have ended up with a a nil-nil, to be honest. But I'll tell you what changed for me were two things with Mulder. Um, I think Solskjaer has obviously given them a bit of a bollocking at half time, demanding more from the players. But they came out with an awful lot of more intensity, quicker passing, uh, the tempo was bigger. But I think the, the other big thing here... Uh, was the midfield runners, uh, Ellingson, Norman and Strand. They really were really getting into the game a lot more, I say a lot more runs forward, causing problems to the defence. And odd, there was a period, certainly from sort of, when the, the goal, the first goal went in, which was a lucky deflection, I must say. Ten minutes after that, um, odd were really on the back foot. Then they came back into it again and then probably deserved uh, the equaliser uh, through the penalty spot. But, how impressed were you with Mould's start to the second half, uh, John? Reasonably impressed. I mean, uh, I mean, it took it, it was a known goal, wasn't it? And uh, it took a deflection, really. It was all over the shop in terms of the, the strike itself. So they were slightly fortunate there. I mean, the stats said they hadn't had a shot even after that goal had gone in on target. So that was quite a quirk. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ellingson made a good run. and uh, but, but I got back into the game with a, a penalty from Samuelson. And I want to touch on a couple of players before we you know, conclude the analysis. Um, Babakar Saar. He was one who conceded the penalty, and I felt he was, you know, physically imposing, but sometimes a little bit Ill, ill-disciplined uh, here. He, he was slightly aggressive at times, and obviously gave away the penalty. Um, what was your uh, interpretation of his game and him, him in general? Is he, you know, is he quite highly rated? Or and also, did you think it was a penalty? Yeah, I think it was a penalty. I think he got too much of his man, and it, stupidly, I think it was fairly close to the referee, uh, which is not a particularly clever thing to do, is it? Um, Saar had a really interesting game. Um, sometimes he, he he's really makes some crucial blocks, interceptions. And I've noticed this the, the rest of the season, actually. Uh, he's sort of the last man uh, line of defence sometimes. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, 
if he was in a 4-2-3-1 formation in a defensive midfield role or even playing a lone defensive midfield, he could dominate that midfield completely. So I, I just think um, I just think it's, it's bloody stupid uh, why he's at centre-back. And um, yeah, I think overall he had a good game. But yeah, for me, it was a penalty. What did you think? Yeah, it seemed a penalty to me. There wasn't too many complaints. Um, a good, a good sort of composed finish from Samuelson, and it was one-one. There was a big chance uh, just before that with Etsatsu Sane, uh, a fantastic save from Linda, um, and Ossian was a really poor f- follow-up um, across into the box. Hussein first time I marked, but but he couldn't finish. Uh, from there, kind of Mulder had nice passing, but no real cutting edge in the, the game. It looked like they needed to up the intensity to really, you know, they kind of drifted to that point, maybe expecting to win, and the goal kind of shook them a bit, didn't it? Um, and for a while, it didn't really look like upping their tempo was something they would really be capable of, did it, Steve? No, it didn't. Um, but they were a much better team for it, weren't they? And I thought in the last 20 minutes, odd with a better team, they, they they really put some great balls forward, some lovely direct balls, not in the air, but on the ground. And um, a good substitution was made around the 75th, minute when um, Ladanovic, the young, youngster, came on for Rashani and uh, he really had a massive chance, didn't he, to, to make it 2-1. He should have scored and he made a few other good, uh, you know, good um, movements going forward. Uh, they should have won it, um, but then right at the death, Mould nicked it. Uh, Thomas Amang came on and uh, it was a header in off the post and I think it was a not, a, not a deserved win for Mould, but they they got the job done. Um, but in classic terms of, Solskjaer, wasn't it? Classic Solskjaer. <laughs> yeah, classic Solskjaer. He was like that at Man United every day. Just want to talk about in terms of players on the field. The top two or three guys in this game, who caught your eye, John? It was, well, good question, really. I mean, I've listened to you say his name twice now, so I thought hopefully I can get this one right. But I really was quite impressed with uh, Isaac Siwan Cambo. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, and looking at his playing history, actually, uh, you know, because he did he did catch my a little bit. He wasn't he wasn't exceptional, but you know, sometimes you kind of see things that you just one or two glimpses that, that give you a bit of an impression of, of a player. Um, looking into his background, he's yeah, it was actually at EFCO as a youngster, um, and he's a Swedish under twenty one international, which is where I knew the name from. I, I kept scratching my head, wondering where I'd seen that name before. Um, and he's actually he was actually at Chelsea as well, and and Derby County for a while. Um, and funnily enough, Angered, which is where he came from, they have a really good youth set up in, in, in you know, close to Jotterburg itself. So, um, yeah, he, he impressed me. He made some really good blocks, I thought. Uh, second half, he threw his body in a way of one. Um, I'm trying to remember what minute it was. I think it was sometime in the second half anyway. He made a really good intervention towards the end, maybe just after the 78th or so minute. Uh, and Saar looked okay, but I thought slightly looked slightly less disciplined. Um, risky, I thought looked okay at times. Some of the, you know shooting and passing was was fairly interesting. And there's a famous old name there, wasn't there, Steve, a youngster uh, who you might be able to tell us about, or Roy Keane maybe could tell us about him. Yeah, 17 year old um, uh, Erling Bra- Haaland, uh, the son of Alf Inga Haaland, uh, ex Leeds United player, obviously, who uh, had his uh, knee completely done in by Roy Keane that time. Um, but yeah, he it was. I think it was his first ever start in the Elite Serian. Um, young, young kid, but he doesn't look young, does he? He's got a big physique, and um, he did all right, didn't he? He didn't really impact the game that much. I thought Mulder's best players were uh, probably in the midfield. Ellingson and Norman, I think, um, caught my eye there. But yeah, Harland is certainly one to watch out for the future. Uh, he's got the physic physical uh, characteristics. So uh, 
yeah um okay well uh well good. Yeah, i mean just final conclusions um before we move on uh yeah what i wanted to wrap it up just quickly to say is that yeah i thought lynn i thought linda sorry came up big when he when it counted and obviously substitute a man who we haven't touched on who got the winner um i believe as a young player worth worth looking at in the future maybe um but yeah just just my final observations you know we can talk about it maybe in future pods but i thought odd were very well organized um they had a clearer game plan in terms of the football they wanted to play i thought and their mid-table position was interesting to me um because they looked maybe slightly more uh, you know solid but maybe just lacking a bit of individual quality that might be a reason why uh Mulder were more experimental and left it late obviously and you know looking at their last minute kind of goals actually they they're not as they don't grab as many as maybe some people might believe they I think they're third in the league for goals in the last 10 minutes um yeah, a lot of late goals and it's got them so yeah yeah is that luck or not I mean it's a bit fluky if you ask me but so many of it, it can't just be luck can it um um it's like the opposite to Viking isn't it but uh just my final conclusion moving on odd should have won that game I really like odd when they are, are attack minded and positive that isn't always the case under Fergomo. He can just be too defensive at times. But I really like uh, Odd when they're like that. Uh, but they just can't finish. They haven't got goal scorers this season. Ocean, he, I think he's done now at this level. He's not good enough anymore. He used to get you 15, 20 goals a season. Those days are long gone. They need strikers who can convert. The wingers aren't great finishers either. So that's the big problem for Odd. And uh, I think it came across in this game, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, sorry, I've got the stat there. I just had it written down. Yeah, Mulder actually scored seven goals in the last 10 minutes of games this season. But Lillestrom are the, are the leaders with 10 goals in the last 10 minutes of the season. Um, so, yeah, and also, uh, odd, I've only scored one goal in the last 10 minutes of games. So, I guess anyone who was actually looking at that game in the last 10 minutes from a betting point of view would have realised that Mulder were going to nick it, weren't they? But, yeah, really good analysis, Steve. I enjoyed that. Um, and, yeah, let, should we move on to the... Yeah, we're moving on to uh, player analysis now. And we've got one from the Swedish League. Ahmed Yassin from uh, Hacken uh, is your player in focus this week, John. Tell us all about this guy. Yeah. Um, for those who listened to the transfer special, I think it was pod nine. Uh, we I did talk about him a little bit and said he was one of the signings of the transfer window uh, anywhere in Sweden, to be honest. Um, and yeah, Hacken have done some really good business there getting uh, Ahmed Yassin. He's an Iraqi international. Uh, he's on loan from AIK. Who, who signed him in, in 2016 and uh, loaned him out to uh, the Qatar Stars League. Uh, made a bit of an impact there. And uh, Hakan, Sonny Carlson, their sporting director, has done really good business picking him up on loan in the window. Since he's been there on loan, he is absolutely flying. Six goals already uh, for, for Hakan in eight games. Uh, he's also racked up some assists. And that has given him the position of Osvenskan Player of the Month for this month just gone so yeah he fully deserves it to be honest uh, i think chinadu abasi and mohammed buyatore who was um our talent focus on pod nine uh, sorry pod 10 the last pod uh were the other candidates but yasin's taken it every time i see hack and play and i have seen a few of their games this season um they look a good technical team um and a positive team does he fit in with that mold yes yeah, you make a good point there they've always got technical kind of um multifunctional kind of players, uh, particularly in forward areas. Um, they do a lot of scouting because they have the Gothia Cup, obviously, in, in, in Gothenburg, uh, which is a world-famous sort of youth tournament. Um, and sort of hacking have links to that. They're, their academy is called the Gothia Park Academy. And I think, you know, because of that, maybe they have a good network, really, because the tournament involves teams from all over the world, literally, you know, over, I think, nearly a 1,000 teams, roughly. 
Um, so they've got good links in different countries and they, they tend to bring in players from all over the world, really, like Iraq uh, in this case. Um, and yeah, like you say, he's a, you know, he, he really fits Hackham perfectly, to be honest. Um, it's a bit of a no-brainer in terms of signing him, I think, but it still has to be done and, and they've done that business. Um, yeah, like you say, he's a multifunctional kind of player. He can play up front. Uh, if you watch his goal against Halmstad at the weekend where they went 3-0, he's on the shoulder of the last defender, you know, you know, running, leading the line like a sort of number nine, really. Uh, opens his body in a beautiful finish. Uh, Thierry Henry type style, if you see what I mean, in terms of the way he took it. Um, so he can play off the shoulder. He can, he can play out wide. He put in a cross uh, for the second goal, I believe, um, to make it 2-0 for Ranagi. So yeah, you know, he can play out wide, he can play out front, he can play attacking midfield. Very, very versatile player, like you say. Yeah, unlike quite a lot of players that we've focused on in Talent Corner and the podcast, this guy is 26 years old. So it's not like they were taking a risk with an unknown sort of youngster um, in this instance, was it? So it's someone who's experienced and also at international level. Yeah, exactly. And, And prior to that, he'd been in Sweden actually for, I think, close to sort of 10 years nearly. Um, he started his career at BK Ford, uh, which is a club, a uh, sort of uh, lower division team. Uh, went to Orebro and he spent, I think, four seasons at Orebro. Uh, joined them in, I think, 2010, 2011-ish. Um, was there for a while before going to Denmark. So yeah, he's, he's he knows the league inside out, and he's played several games in, in the league. You know, rough, I think r- over 100 games in Neil Svenskan now, um, perhaps. So knows the league very well. So it wasn't really much of a risk, really, for he- Heck, and especially considering AK didn't really want to make make use of him. Uh, so yeah, like I say, good business, and uh, he he really has been the driving force behind Hecken's climb up the table. I mean, as I say, they were second going into the weekend. Uh, sorry, after their win uh, the weekend before Jurgen's win, um, they're really climbing, and they look like they're a contender for Europe and finishing above EF Core, which would be a massive achievement, uh, you know, in terms of local pride for the Hissingen team. Yeah, so just before we move on, uh, sort of last question here. What's the sort of long-term future of this player? Because obviously he's uh, owned by AIK. Um, but, uh, I mean, is he likely to stay in the league going forward after after this, this season? Well, I think that's one for... Uh, yeah, I think that would probably be one for AIK to answer, to be honest. Um, they're surely going to be looking at, at the current situation thinking, well, you know, we've got a bit of a player here. Maybe we should should make some use of him. Um, you wouldn't say that they necessarily really look like they badly need him uh, because they've got players of their own and they, you know they've been doing really well themselves. They okay? I think they've, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, they've, they've signed really well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, like, like you said, you know, Hacker will be wanting to keep him. I'd imagine he's 26, so he's still got many years ahead of him in terms of high level. You know, so I mean, he he's kind of thanked his coach. He's kind of thanked the coach and the teammates because he's really. Um, he's really flying. I mean, you know, he's been described by one website as the hot, hottest player, which I would I would agree with. To be honest, at the moment, he, he is in sensational form. Um, he's kind of said it's just the beginning for him, and you know, success continues. So, I'd say clubs will be looking at him, and maybe even abroad. You know, if he continues this, then you know, other teams will probably look at him. He's smashing it in terms of goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always good that he's got. He, you know, he he's got another year at AIK, and he said that he does maybe see his future there. Uh, but yeah, it's difficult to know really. You know that would depend a lot on AOK. Yeah, I think he he's obviously hot property at the minute in terms of uh, forming the league. He just won Player of the Month, so certainly one to look out for for the rest of the season. Thank you very much for your analysis on him, John. Yep, that's the talent focus from Sweden for this week. Let's move over to the talent focus in Norway, and you're going to introduce him. 
Yeah, I'm going a bit left field actually um, uh, this week. Uh, I'm going with a Christiansen player um, called Jean Alassane Mendy, um, striker. And uh, yeah, he's certainly an interesting proposition because uh, he's to say he's 27 years old. He's not a young talent. I don't think he's ever going to really uh, have quality outside of the uh, elite Assyrian. So, but I think I feel like he's a very interesting player to focus on right now because of his importance to the club. Right, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, like you say, <clears throat> Christiansen the third button. So you're pulling out of the bag someone who's a bit older. Uh, tell us the reasons why. Yeah, well, there's a, a long history to this player in in the Norwegian league. He he was regarded as a really good Obosligaen player, which is the second tier in Norway uh, for many seasons. Um, for example, a couple of years ago, he scored 16 times in, in that division uh, for Sandefjord. Uh, I do believe it was. They got promoted to the uh, Elite Serien or the Tipper Ligaen, as it was known then. And he only he scored six goals in 23 games. When we had Sean Constable on the pod, podcast a few weeks ago. Um, he he said he rated this player. And he described him as a fox in the box, a good finisher, uh, but he didn't really fit their um, their system in terms of um, his type of player. So he he moved to uh, Christiansund and um, had an okay season last year in the second tier. Scored seven goals in twenty eight appearances, pretty much what you would expect from this guy. And when I saw him saw him in the squad, I was thinking probably a bench player, maybe could make an impact. He's not going to do an awful lot but right now he scored eight uh, sorry nine goals in 18 appearances which puts him something like fourth or fifth in the scoring charts he's only one behind Nicholas Bentner for crying out loud um so uh, yeah nine goals and he's made a real impact in games uh for example at the weekend there I think he his energy was superb he scored the second goal which was a great finish he suddenly developed an ability to uh, produce a clinical finish out of nowhere um, and I don't know, maybe he's a late developer or something, but his goals or potential goals uh, are going to be absolutely massive for Christensen um, going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's a striker, am I, 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 I right in saying, getting that kind of level of goals? And he began his career in uh, Khan, I think, um, in the B teams, I believe. What, um, what's he like in terms of, you know, what kind of striker is he? What, who does he remind you of? What, what type of profile is he? Mm, yeah, he's uh, he's a sort of, a, he's pacey. Um He's got, he does have reasonably good technique. I mean, I suppose you could say it's letting down in terms of being clinical in the past, although this season he maybe turned a corner. Um, yeah, out and out striker for me. Uh, Fox in the box is a pretty good description. Um, he's got all round ability. Um, I say not to a special level. He's, he's never going to be out any good outside of Norway, in my personal opinion. He may prove me wrong. But uh, right now, in this particular league, he seems to have found his level. Um, I say good all-round sort of striker at the moment. Some have criticised his work rate before, but who cares about that if he's scoring goals, you know? Um, uh, so right now, that, that's the most impressive thing about Charles and Mendy. And he's done. He's had to displace uh, the top Christiansen striker, uh, Doda Bamba, from the team. He's had to uh, fight injury this year as well. And he's forced his way back in the lineup. and fair play to the lad. Um, I say he's not someone who's going to, um, you know, get uh, get paid uh, big bucks away from this league. He's going to get, probably never going to get sold away from the league too often. But I just felt he deserved a bit of recognition uh, on this particular podcast this week. So, yeah, maybe a left field selection. Will he keep them up? I mean, you, you already mentioned you don't think, you, you think they could stay up. But, you know, is he going to be the man to fire the goal? If, if, if they're going to stay up, will it be all because of him, basically? 
well, they're not going to stay up keeping clean sheets. They, they've obviously they've changed their approach now. They're an attacking team. They're going to go for goals. So they're going to need someone to be clinical. And yeah, he's for me, he's the key. If he can keep firing goals in and making a, a real nuisance of himself up front, then they've got a, a chance. He's a massive player for them now, John Arsene Mendy. Um, so uh, one to keep an eye out on on a uh, sort of a less known team. Um, he's the key man going forward for sure. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, thanks for that. That's um, yeah. So to conclude, Jean Alassane Mendy and Ahmed Yassine, the talent focuses of this week, and we are now going to very briefly move on to our final section of the week, which is a very quick look at Europe. Uh, am I right, Steve? We're going to look at the European games. I mean, the Champions League starts off this this week. Uh, is there a Norwegian team or a Swedish team in the Champions League? No, as we as we uh, as we well known, there's nothing there. But we do have two uh, representations in the Europa League, and uh, I start with Rosenborg. They've got a really really tough trip to Real Sociedad. I mean, Sociedad they're a really good team, aren't they? At the moment, um, I mean, I don't know how seriously they're going to take this particular match. Maybe they might field a few second teamers, but uh, that's a hell of a tough trip to uh, to Spain, isn't it? I'm not. I don't know an awful lot about La Liga. You maybe know more than me, but. Uh, by all accounts, they're a pretty good team, aren't they? So she does. Yeah, very good team. I mean, they're going to give um, they're going to give them a, a real game. I imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're actually second in the table at the moment, joint top with Barcelona. So, yeah, and the top scorers in the La Liga as well. So that's going to be a real challenge for Rosen, Rosenborg. I, I reckon they're uh, with ten goals, ten goals scored in three games. Um, so yeah, real tough one for them. Europa League, obviously, we got um, Ostersunds as well, haven't we? Momentous occasion for Ostersund, isn't it? Uh, making an appearance in the uh, group stage of the Europa League. What a, what a great achievement. They're away to a team called Zoria. Yeah, indeed they are. Uh, it's going to be a massive game. Graham Potter keeps working his magic uh, down, well, up in Ostersunds. And yeah, it's going to be another another really challenging affair for them. Um, in terms of the group itself, I mean, I, I had a sneaky feeling they might get Arsenal in the group stages, which would have been a real, a real interesting one. Uh, but it didn't quite happen that way. Um, they've actually drawn Hertha Berlin and Athletic Bilbao, so another La Liga team. But Zoria is their first. Zoria is their first opponent, and you know it'll be a tough one for them because they're actually a slightly underrated team, I think. But yeah. um, Ostersund, good luck to them. And yeah, obviously Jamie Hopcott, who we had on the show. Good luck to him, and good luck to the whole squad, really. Uh, best of luck to Rosenborg. I think both are going to have tough away trips this week. Uh, if they get any points out of it, I think it would be a good achievement. But uh, we've run out of time for this pod, uh, John. So we're going to have to say goodbye to everyone. Uh, we'll hopefully be back sooner rather than later, hopefully next week. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. I, I really did. I think there's some great content on on, on this podcast this week. Uh, it was a pleasure, as always, uh, having you join me on board, John. Um, I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, really good discussion. I think you know we'll, we'll touch back on the... Um you know, the European results next week. Um, I'm not letting you off this one, Steve. We're going to get back into the weekly regime, I think. And yeah, we'll be back with more team teams of focus and uh, match analysis, maybe. Give us your thoughts. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod, uh, where you can find all our tweetings every now and then, covering match game matches at the weekend and kind of general thoughts and observations. Uh, you can also follow us both uh, on our private accounts, which you can find on the NordicFootPod uh, bio. And yeah, if you ever have any inquiries or just want to talk about us, about our analysis and our in-depth 
kind of knowledge of, of the both leagues, feel free to get in touch. We've been followed by quite a lot of clubs lately and people sort of uh, contacting us with various inquiries. Uh, and yeah, also we're on Facebook, uh, which is, I think, Nordic Football Podcast. Type it into the search bar somewhere. We should pop up. But yeah, uh, also on iTunes, you can subscribe, which I'd really recommend you doing and maybe even leave, leaving us a nice comment if you, if you think we deserve it. So yeah, for this podcast, I think it's uh, we're just about to wrap up now. Episode 11 in the bag. Thank you, Steve. And thank you to everyone for listening. And good day, evening or good night.